the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us. K-12 through education is the playing field, and as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so succinctly stated, he said that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined again by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hagstrom. Yes, good evening. Nice to see you, Mark. Nice to see you. Nice to have a little reprieve in the weather tonight, yeah. as opposed to what we just had these <laughs> right? last couple of days, huh? Oh, my goodness. I yeah. like I was driving in a big freezer uh, I know. most of the week. <laughs> I know. I had a friend send me... Um, <clears throat> What are, the, what are those calls? The little pictures that come on your phone? I should know the Emojis. name. Emojis. No, it wasn't an emoji. It's the one that moves. Oh, okay. I know There's what you're talking There's a word for about. those. Yep. GIF. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, she sent me a GIF last night, and she said, this is going to be me walking into school at drop-off tomorrow, and it looks like a big, huge Eskimo snowman, right. like waddling like a, pel- like like a penguin. penguin. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Minnesota so, yeah. in January. Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, the one-size-fits-all approach when it you know comes to education, we know that it's been this disaster. We've spoken about it now for months. And a look at the recent Minnesota report card will show that the widening achievement gap that exists between uh, white students and students of color uh, is very, very wide, one of the widest in the yes. country. Mm-hmm. You know, combine all of this with students exposed to years of low-level education, low expectations from staff, and various levels of unaddressed trauma – and you have countless young people who are un- inadequately prepared for the challenges that life will present. Yeah, that's right. But we're we're blessed tonight. We're so thankful uh, for the ladies that will be joining us tonight. Take Charge Minnesota, uh, along with the Exodus Minnesota, uh, grassroots organizations building coalition of community of champions, academic professionals, and business leaders to help ignite a transformation uh, within the black community by embracing the core principles of America, the belief of hard work, education, faith, family, and free enterprise in the personal pursuit of dreams that can be realized by anyone regardless of background. Mm-hmm. Yes, and our guests tonight are working hard to empower and inspire Minnesota families to take control of their children's education. On Friday, January 14th, they will be speaking at the Alternative Education Expo, a gathering that will help direct families to education alternatives that ultimately respect the values and beliefs of families, all the while providing encouragement for families wishing to remove their children from the public school system. Three of the speakers for the upcoming expo join us tonight. Oradola Gilbert and Kafi Manska 
by phone and Mac Erline in studio. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us tonight in on Education America. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful to hear hear your voices. So let's start by familiarizing our audience with your grassroots organization. Uh, Oradola, do you want to tell us about Take Charge Minnesota and also the Exodus Minnesota? Share with our listeners your various backgrounds. Why does the organization exist? What issues um, do you cover as they pertain to education um, that you guys are passionate about? And and if each one of you want to speak and say something, that's fine. But let's start with Oradola. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Yes, so Exodus um, Minnesota started first. Um, we were about five moms, um, five African-American moms. We've seen the issues in the culture. We've seen the issues in our community and, and in education. And so we met organically over the years, and we, we support each other. We were sounding off, um, bouncing ideas uh, back and forth with each other. And, uh, and it, you know, we had to get involved. And so um, we started this website, theexodusmn.org, where we, we share information with parents that we want to get their kids out of the public school. That's been one of our key focuses is education. And uh, we, with regards to Take Charge, we met a Kendall Qualls, who started the organization. Um, they are for faith, family, and education, restoring the black community uh, through faith, family, and education. And we have so much in common. So we're all um, working, two different organizations, but we all work together because we are after the same goals. Yes, so important. Uh, Coffee, do you have anything more you'd like to add to that at all? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Mac? Anything? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Well, last legislative session, you know, uh, we, we had uh, uh, Coffee on and, and, and several others as well. Uh, the organization was very enthusiastic over Senate Republicans' uh, education omnibus bill, which would have included education savings account program. This would have allowed the money to follow the child if the family decided to pull their children out of public school. And what needs to be noted is that the school district would still have received the same amount of federal and local funds if that child were, even as if that child were still attending. Well, unfortunately, the program was not included in the final budget bill. Uh, Coffee, I want to ask you, how is your organization responding to this omission in this year's funding for education? Are you still working with legislators to advocate for this type of program in this year's legislative session? Yes, we are still working with legislators. We just did an event with uh, Senator Chamberlain where we were, or Dalla and I spoke about the issue, and um, we're still working with Senator Chamberlain. Even since that, we had a big meeting with a bunch of community leaders who are all from different nationalities about how we can keep the movement going, and Senator Chamberlain is committed to, to keeping it going. But it takes a while, and I'm kind of an impatient person, so I will keep working on that front. But we have also decided that we have to do something now. Yes. I mean, it's it's urgent. And so until the government gives us back our tax dollars to use to go to other schools, we are working on helping parents figure out how to be able to afford public school without getting their tax dollars back through the education savings account. So in the meantime, we're trying to figure out how to do that. And so that's why we're having this education expo. A huge part of it will be on affordability, and there will be a panel of parents who are not well off who manage to make homeschooling or private school or other alternative forms of education work, even though they don't have a lot of money. And so it's just to give parents an idea of how how they could do the same thing so that Mm -hmm. that's not a barrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So getting back to um, the fact that we didn't get the legislation through, 
Um, we know that, as you've pointed out, the setback isn't stopping Exodus Minnesota. You guys are working hard to try to shrink the very large proficiency gap that exists between black and white students in Minnesota public schools, which incidentally was made significantly worse yes. through COVID, um, the online education, if you can call it that, the lack of education, I should call it. Coffee, I think you're the one of the three of you that maybe has the most information with respect to the data on some of that. Would you be willing to take a few moments to highlight how wide the proficiency gap is, say, between like fourth grade students in both math and reading to give our listeners an idea of just how dire the achievement gap really is? Yes, the fourth grade achievement gap in Minneapolis um, between just the black-white achievement gap for reading, 66% of white students are proficient compared to 34% of black students. It's ridiculous. For math, 63% of white students are proficient and only 26% of black students. So it's like three-fourths are coming out not proficient in math. And our scores are worse than Mississippi. And so it's pretty bad. And even for Roseville, which you think, oh, that's a suburb. You guys are just pulling scores from Minneapolis Mm -hmm. and inner city place. But even for Roseville, for all students, the achievement gap is almost worse than Minneapolis. For reading for whites, they're 75% proficient and blacks 36%. And for whites, 68% 68% proficient, blacks 27% proficient in math. And so the achievement gaps are bad throughout the state. It's not just Minneapolis. It's absolutely terrible. And you do not hear people on the left. I don't hear any anger about this when people talk about how they care about people of color, BIPOC people. They care so much about disparities. I never, ever hear them complaining about this disparity and which, seeing what they want to do about this. And which so that, is the greatest. It really bothers me. Well, and, and that is the disparity that matters the most because it is the difference between being able to live an independent, successful life versus being dependent on government resources. Um, if you can't read, if we we graduate students who can't read or do basic math, uh, we are we are setting them up for a life of failure and 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 crime in a lot of cases. So, yep, most prisoners are illiterate. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep. There's a direct pathway. Yes, yeah, and it's interesting because the left always talks about the school to prison pathway, right? Don't they always talk about that? And they make it seem like the problem is the Republicans who care about school choice. (laughs) And yet the way it is right now with the left in control of our schools, um, that's where we're really seeing that pipeline coming to fruition. Mac, do you have something you'd like to say about that? Yeah, I would like to say, I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this lately. There's a cliche out there in education, in the education world, where uh, people say, oh, you don't need to know math. And you're not going to use math. <laughs> and I thought about that. And I thought, how do you know that? <laughs> I mean, everybody grows up. Right. And at some point in your life, you might decide you want to be a pilot. Right. How are you going to be a pilot? If you don't know math or, an or you can't read or an, account. <laughs> yeah. or an architect yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that cliche needs to be thrown out Yeah, because yeah. everyone needs to know how to read proficiently, comprehensively mm-hmm. and math the same mm-hmm. because you never know where life is going to take yes, you. Exactly. And even basic math is important for just your everyday life. Balancing a budget. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Absolutely. Well, after every legislative session, you know, we're always hearing of more money that will be given to the public schools, continuously increasing the cost per student and giving more money has not solved the achievement gap problem. In fact, comparing cost per student, minority population and graduation rates amongst minority students who attend private schools paints a very different picture when it comes to the success of students in Minneapolis and other parts of the state as well. You know, either Oradola or coffee, if you'd like to share with our listeners some of the statistics that affirm the overwhelming success that students are enjoying when they're given these private school options in, say, Minnesota's inner cities. Sure, yeah, this is, this is Oradola, and I wanted to, um, to highlight there are a couple of schools in the inner city that have a very high minority population. So we have Crystal Ray, you know, looking at data, um, I think a year or so ago, they have 98% minority population. And Hope Academy is 72% minority population. And yet, and they charge about, their cost per student is about $13,000 a year. And you compare that to Minneapolis Public School, which is charging about 25000 per student, with maybe, a, let's say, a 60% minority population. And graduation rates almost 100% for Crystal Ray and Hope Academy, while, mm-hmm. you know, with fudging of the numbers and lowering um, uh, the standards for graduation, yes. um, Minneapolis is claiming about 70% um, graduation rates. Right. And so, that all happened like in about a year or two. It was sitting at 50 to 55%. So to your point, Oradola, um, they're graduating more students while their test scores are actually continuing to decrease so what does that tell you about who they're graduating and how how well success or set up they are for a success in life? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely the underperforming and, and what we've what I figured out because I do I had you know all three of my kids in public school, there's still one in public school. It's really it's it's a it's a, a cash machine. The schools are cash machine for the for the for the left or whomever, the unions, they continue to ha- harp on the achievement gap or what or underperforming school to ask for, for more money, not with the intention of fixing the problem, but it's kind of a revolving door. They ask for more money, they get more money, they complain about the gap and nothing ever improves. In fact, if you look at the data you'll see everything is getting worse. Yeah. The, yes. the, the gap is big. Education standards are getting worse. The graduation rate, they'll, they'll, they'll look at that. But like you just said, it's fudged. The number's mm-hmm. not, not real. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they've lowered the standards. So um, you're getting worse outcomes for more money. And with COVID, I'm sure the, the spending per student is going to go through oh, the roof. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we know what students are learning this, this past couple of years. We right. know how far behind they've fallen. Yes. Oh. Such a good point. Well, with everything that's you know not taking place in the legislature and with the achievement gap that's widening, um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you ladies, you're not allowing political hurdles to stop you from helping Minnesota families explore other schooling options. Um, in an effort to educate Minnesotans on how they can become empowered to take control of their children's education, the, edu- the Exodus Minnesota is hosting the Alternative Education Expo, and this is going to be taking place next Friday, January 14th, I believe in Oakdale. Let's spend the rest of our time together here discussing the topics that the speakers will address at the Expo. Mac, uh, we'll start with you. What are some of the main reasons why families, for example, may be apprehensive in removing their children from the public school system? Well, first of all, they don't, um, they're not sure what it's, how to do it, how to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we will be, uh, there is a panel of parents who are doing it. 
And as I think Coffee or Ordalis mentioned earlier, many of these families that are homeschooling, they're not rich. Mm-hmm. And um, they they have struggles, but they're doing it. We've met one of the one of the families that will be there at the expo. They're homeschooling eight of their children. Eight. Wow. And their kids are doing exceptionally well uh, in their schoolwork. And so when we when they speak to the people that will attend the expo, I think they will um, provide some confidence, give them some confidence in how to do this, how to go about doing it. So we're really looking forward to hearing from them. We've met with this family, and I was just amazed at how well their children are doing. Eight children being homeschooled. Yeah. And, and and there'll be others there also. Mm-hmm. But homeschooling is huge. And there are different variations of homeschooling. There There is it is not a one homeschooling type one, that fits one everyone. One size fits all. Right, one, yeah. right, mm-hmm. one size fits all. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. You have to look at the individual family and go from there. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing what what people are doing with homeschooling. So you said that there's going to be a panel of three parents that are homeschooling now. One family has eight kids that they're homeschooling at a time. Will they be sharing kind of how they're going? Each each person will share how they're going about homeschooling, maybe what curriculum they're using. And then is there an opportunity for the people that are there to ask questions of these panelists? Yes, um, there will be a question and answer session, okay. and um, they will address uh, several variations of how they're homeschooling. Okay, wonderful. Um, and I don't know, maybe we're going to get to this a little bit later, but um, I believe you were planning to have some groups there with tables to share information with people too, right? Some extra right. resources that right. people can purchase, is that right? Right, we will have some uh, different uh, people with um, information Mm-hmm. hand out information okay. also that they can take home. But um, there will be, we'll, we'll also have specifically another person that will address homeschooling okay. and how it's worked for their family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be plenty of information mm-hmm. and there will be plenty of time for Q&A okay. also. Okay. okay, great. Well, perhaps there are families listening tonight that have thought extensively about a non-public or a private school education but the perception of affordability is enough to discourage them from following through on their pursuit. And I know I run into this running Liberty. A lot of people say, well, there's no way I could afford it. And um, sometimes people don't actually think about options. So in your research, Oradol, I believe you're the one that's been doing the bulk of the research in this realm. Um, what are some things you tell families that are on the fence to dissuade them from this kind of thinking? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, you know we've looked at a lot of um, private schools in, in particular. Um, it, you you meet up with a private school, you tell them about your economic situation. Um, there's some that are affordable. Um, a lot of the Catholic schools. You do have to do your vetting of the schools because um, some of them are not committed to the same values you might be. So you really have to check in. But um, you can do um, there's programs you can do with a, with a private school. There's payment plans. There's um, work programs, volunteer work. There's all sorts of things that they they really the schools do tend to 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 make an effort um, for to, to, so that your kid can go to that school. Mm-hmm. So there's 
there's other things. And then there's also, there's other options. There's, uh, there's online options. There's learning pods. There's co-ops. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many different types of, of options that are out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of curriculum, there's, you know, we give, it will give information on how to get curriculum, what, what sorts of curriculum, what's the different types of curriculum. So, you know, between working with private schools um, on some flexible payment options, mm-hmm. as well as um, perhaps going all the way to the range of homeschooling and knowing what curriculum is out there and finding support networks between co-ops and different things like that, um, you can make it work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm making it work. I have two kids in, in private school and one in public. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you just have to, It's every family is different, mm-hmm. but it is doable. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for people to hear. It might not be easy, but it can be done. And where there's a will, there's a way. And I think we've come to a place, unfortunately, in American education where people just need to pull out all the stops and do everything they can to give their kids the best education, education they can. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'd like to add one other thing. Sure. Um, yes. Also, I see it as a family affair. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because uh, actually I attended a meeting recently where there were, most of the people were grandparents. Oh, really? And oh, nice. the grandparents want to be on board. Yeah. Because they uh, sense that something is really off with their grandchildren's educations Mm -hmm. and they want to be a part of it. And so that's why it's just a family affair. Yeah. To bring the grandparents on board as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Mac, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, As a headmaster of Liberty Classical Academy, I can tell you we have some grandparents who are actually paying for the tuition of their of their grandchildren. Um, or they're supporting the school financially, um, or they're coming in and volunteering, um, or they're dropping off and picking up. I see quite a few grandparents coming in with the grandchildren in the morning, helping with the transportation, and then picking up at the end of the day. So that is such a good point, and I think it's an important one, especially for two two working, dual-working families, you know, where they're probably thinking, well, what about the transportation you know, there, there can be some issues with that, too. Yep. Mac, you, you spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about the homeschooling and the information that will be shared at the Expo there. Uh, let's just uh, focus for a moment just on this aspect of it. I know uh, the hesitation surrounding uh, homeschooling it could be a family's perceived sense of inadequacy. They might sit there and think, well, gee, you know, I don't have a formal education on being a teacher. You know, how, how am I uh, going to teach my children the uh, these specific subjects of science and history and math and, and, and phonics and all of that. So what, what would you say to families that are being held back by this perceived inadequacy that they think they have? Well, first of all, there are resources out there that are available for people to help them along the way. Yeah. Um, I considered homeschooling my children at one point. My children are now adults, but I had many friends that did, and they shared resources that were available, and they uh, networked with each other mm-hmm. and shared this information. And so their kids did exceptionally well once they learned what was available to them. Mm-hmm. So parents should not feel as though they are alone. They are, mm-hmm. they are not alone. Mm-hmm. There are many, many resources available. Mm-hmm. And as Exodus, because we're advocating this to the point that we are, I believe that we will be able to provide resources, information on resources that they'll be able to use. Mm-hmm. So just that they 
don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many co-ops too. Yes. Yes. So that's yes. great. And, so, and I would like to add that um, like the sco- test scores of homeschooling kids is way higher than the scores of kids who have been in public schools and their teachers have all these degrees, you know, when they're taught <laughs> yeah, by their parents. And so just looking at the history of what's happened with other people, other and also the curriculum guides you along the way and teaches you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. And also, like Max said, with networking, if there's lots of parents who might not be great at math and they have another parent teach their kid math and mm-hmm. they're great at reading and then they teach a group of kids, you know, the other parents' kids reading. Mm-hmm. And so there's also technology where parents can use online resources to help and then they guide their child along with the online resources. So there's, mm-hmm. yeah, so I wouldn't doubt yourself to say, oh, that you're, you're not bright enough because you don't have an education mm-hmm. or you don't, you know, you haven't yeah. been taught. How um, to be a teacher. Teaching mm-hmm. school. You haven't been taught how to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm just a lawyer and I taught, um, I taught paralegal school students for six years and mm-hmm. I, I was able to be a teacher and they were able to learn and come out and get really good jobs. And yeah. so you don't have to have that, um, that. And if you look at a lot of the stuff coming out of public schools from these teachers who have all of these degrees, it will encourage you that you can do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm glad you made that point. So, um, and, and I, Oh, go ahead, Oradella. So I was going to just say, you know, in the interim, while we would love, we, we're waiting to see you guys at the expo on the 14th, you can also go to our website. Um, yes. We have a lot of information on there. Um, there's a, a page, the, one of the, um, the, 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 the pages called links will link you to a lot of the other organizations in the space. Um, and there's, you know, also a link on why school choice that will kind of explain what your kids are facing and why you really need to seriously consider um, alternatives. For yes. Them. And your website is exodusmn.org, correct? The, the Exodus. Oh, the, okay. The Exodusmn.org. Okay, we, we have just a couple minutes left here, and I want to cover a couple more questions with you. Another area of an alternative education that's going to be highlighted at the Expo are learning pods and microschools. Can you very quickly describe what these two forms of alternative education are, uh, Oradola? Yeah, so microschool, in fact, one of our members of the Expo opened a microschool on the east side of, of, of St. Paul. It's These are typically like a one-room schoolhouse, so you have all the kids, various ages, and maybe two, three or so teachers in the one room. And and they, they learn similar subjects, but they all um, at different levels. So an eighth grader would be learning history at a different, you know, George Washington at a different level than the kindergartners. So they're all in one room, and that's a, another successful model. Mm-hmm. And the pods are maybe parents that all come together. Um, you could maybe they come on a pod on, on English, and perhaps there's one person that's teaching, and you have all these different kids from homeschools um, coming to learn the specific subject, English or science, maybe some a subject that's harder for a parent to teach. Um, eighth grade, you know, science, for example, you could have a pod that's all centered around that particular subject and you all come together in a particular time to study. Okay, good. So it's kind of semi-homeschooling semi in a way, um, but just working yeah. with other parents. Yeah. So um, yeah. really quickly then in this last minute, can you tell us, are there going to be other school choice grassroots organizations in attendance at the Expo? But most importantly, can you share with our listeners exactly when and where the Expo is? And then again, we'll, we'll say your website. Yes, that we are. I know Coffee. I saw an invite this morning, just inviting all. There's many of these um, 
community groups and parent groups around uh, the state that that are you know we're, we're inviting and please forward this invite also to everyone you know. Um, we will be located so it's it's uh, 6 p.m. 6 to 9 p.m. on January the 14th in Oakdale, Minnesota. It's at the Forefront Technology and Office Campus, mm-hmm. One High Point Drive, Oakdale, Minnesota, 55128. And that information is also on our website. On the very front first page, you'll be able to see that. Okay. And you can um, purchase, you can get tickets for free. Okay. Um, click on, on Eventbrite to, to get tickets so we have a sense of how many people are coming. Very good. Again, that website is theexodusmn.org. We hope that you can make it to this Alternative Expo next Friday night at 6 p.m. It's an important start to get your children out of the public schools and into an educational setting that works for them. You can go to listen to this podcast at savetheclassroom.com, savetheclassroom.com. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.